This morning we continue our Mindfield series. And, you know, uh, the Mindfield series is about, you know, hidden minds. They're not obvious. And we can be uh, sidetracked or deceived to thinking that everything is okay. But in fact, we have minefields around us. And, you know, if you step on a mine, it'll explode. It'll either cause you dismemberment or even death. Now, before I proceed, there is a, an opening. There is a job opening for those of you who are looking for work. So, we need an EOD technician. You might be thinking, what is an EOD technician? So, he is an explosive ordnance disposal technician. But do not worry. You will receive a uniform. The job of this person is to diffuse a mine. And he is dressed in such a way because, of course, there is a potential for the bomb to explode. Those of you who probably watched the movie The Hurt Locker, that was his job. He was an explosive ordnance disposal technician. So be careful. You might step on a mine. And if you are not adequately prepared, if you are not dressed like this, you could die. The EOD technician in Ephesians chapter 6 puts on the full armor of God. From head to toe, you are covered. There's no protection at the back because God does not expect us to run away from our struggles, but to face them. Because he said, he will be with us in the middle of it. This morning, we continue with that series. But before we really dive into our subject matter, first one was the landmine of pursuing wrong relationships. Landmine number two was choices. Last week, landmine number three was to assume responsibility. Today, it's going to be landmine number four. But before I go into it, let me share with you. Let's see if you know this. Let's see if you know the answer to this. Three very short riddles, okay? I can only live where there is light, but I die if the light shines on me. What am I? Only one color, but not one size. Stuck at the bottom, yet I easily fly. Present in sun, but not in rain. Doing no harm and feeling no pain. What am I? What is as big as an elephant but weighs nothing at all? Are you thinking? The answer, your shadow. Now, Pastor Insong, what does my shadow have to do with the landmine? What does this have to do? How many of you have a shadow? Oh, you see? <laughs> right? All of us has a shadow. Wherever you go, you have a shadow. Yes? And if we are not careful, this landmine is very, very dangerous. You think it is not there, but it really is. 
All it needs is an opportunity to show itself. Now, I'm going to forewarn you. Our topic this morning needs parental guidance. So, if you're here and your children are a little young, please be the one to explain to them. Landmine number four is immorality. You have it with you wherever you go. It is all around you. And you will see later, it can also be in you. So the way to diffuse the landmine of immorality is to flee. You have to flee immorality. Let's commit the time to the Lord this morning. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we can lift up our brethren to you in prayer. Thank you for the life of our brother Billy Graham, how you have used him mightily to share the gospel. We pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us in this area this morning, a very delicate area, Lord God, that we should face nonetheless and that we should address and do something. God, speak to all of your people, Lord God, as we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the topic this morning? Flee immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. Can we read this together, please? Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Flee immorality. What does the word flee mean? Run away, escape, vanish. Immorality from the Greek word porneia, where we get the word pornography. Fornication, any sexual act of promiscuity outside of biblically defined marriage. Selling off or surrendering sexual purity. It is also a form of idolatry. And what are we supposed to do? Flee immorality. Run away from it. I told you, this is very hard. Can you run away from your shadow? It's always there. That's why the Bible tells us in the previous passage, every other sin... That a man commits, he does. He does what? He commits outside his body. But sexual immorality, he commits. So wherever I go, I have it. This is probably one of the most difficult sins to shake off. Why? It's always there. You commit it against your own body. Now, let's look at two examples. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. You remember Joseph, right? He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was given up for dead. But then God's favor was upon Joseph. And everything that he did 
was blessed. So he rose up from the ranks and he became the manager of the household of Potiphar. However, Potiphar had a wife. She is not named. So all we can do is to refer to her as Potiphar's wife, or if you like to, Mrs. Potiphar. Now look at what happened. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him into, in from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. You will see time and time again, if you read your Bible, the story of Joseph, that he was blessed. People around him know that he is blessed. And then people around him attributed his blessing because God is with you. The presence of God is with you. That is why you are blessed. And we go back to what it says here. That if we follow the command of God to make disciples, teaching them to obey all, the presence of God is with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you like to be like Joseph? Not Joseph. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? But Joseph, the dreamer, right? Everything that he did, everything that he did was blessed. Why? Because God's favor was upon him. So much so that now his master saw the Lord, you see, the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to, to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant and he made him overseer of his house and all that he owned he put in his charge. Was Joseph trusted? Yes. He was trusted by Potiphar to be his personal bodyguard, to be his servant, and everything that Potiphar owned was put under his care. Now, this is a trusted man. He was trusted. It came about that from time to time, he made him overseer from, from the time he made him overseer in his house over all he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. Oh. Because God was with Joseph. Everything that Potiphar owned prospered. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him that he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. A lot of you know that uh, our eldest son is still in the Philippines. But we have peace of mind that my wife and the rest of the family are here. Because we have one Mila. Her name is Mila. She is our nanny. She has been with us since our eldest son was, I think, a year or two years. He's now 35. So our nanny has been with us for over 30 years. So we have peace of mind knowing that she is there. Sometimes she takes the role of a nanny 
she thinks she's the parent now. But we have peace of mind because that person is trusted, just like Joseph was trusted. And he, Potiphar, left everything in Joseph's charge. Now, not only was he blessed, not only was God's presence with him, he was a handsome lad. Handsome in form and appearance. Now, it came about after these events that his master's wife, master's wife, looked with desire at Joseph and he said, lie with me. Now, men, if you are propositioned, lie with me. Be honest. What goes in your mind? I keep on looking. I keep on looking and I cannot find. And here, lo and behold, is someone who says to me, lie with me. What will you do? Right? Nobody is here except me and her. Nobody knows. Nobody will find out. You see how deceitful immorality is? Nobody knows. Nobody will find out. That's the farthest from the truth. Because the Bible is very clear. The sins you do in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. What do you mean nobody knows? God knows. And eventually your sin will find you out. Lie with me. It's a good thing. Verse 8. But he refused. He stood his ground and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and, I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you. Why? Because you are his wife. Now, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? Was he conscious of God's presence in his life? Yes. You could easily abuse the trust that Potiphar gave you. Potiphar will not know. She will not tell, as far as I know. Besides, she was the one who made the advances towards me. Lie with me. Not a bad idea. But he said, no. How can I betray my master's trust and sin against God. He has left everything in my care except you because you are his wife. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her or to lie beside her or be with her. Now, this is not a one-time proposition according to the Bible. Day after day, 
And what is the temptation? Okay. If you insist, no. I will not be with her. I will not be alone with her. I will not lie with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Flee immorality. Don't think that you're strong enough in the faith that you can stand. Because you might be deceiving yourself. Because the Bible warns us, let him who thinks he is strong take heed lest he fall. So if you think you're strong, be careful. Because when you're strong, perhaps you're no longer relying on God's strength and you have become reliant on your own capacity. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. What happened? Mrs. Potiphar reported a false report. Look, your servant tried to rape me. Here is his robe. So what happened? He was thrown into jail. He made a choice. There was a consequence to his choice. The consequence was he was thrown into jail, even if he was not at fault. But in jail, what happened to Joseph? Even if he was already in jail, the Lord was still with him. The Lord was still prospering his work. And even the jailer noticed, hey, I don't have anything to be concerned about Joseph. Because the favor of the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph decided, he resolved, I am not going to sin against God. I am not going to sin against the trust that my master Potiphar had given to me. So he fled. Of course, we know the story that in the process, he got thrown into jail, but eventually he became the prince of Egypt. And God used Joseph to continue to preserve the line of the Israelites. Another story, David and Bathsheba. Joseph fled, right? David, on the other hand, different story. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 through 5. And it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, you are the king. If your people go into battle, it is the expectation of your troops that you're in the front. 
or you are commanding them right there in the battlefield. Yes? But where was he? He decided to stay in Jerusalem. Oh, it's good to be the king. I will let my people, my soldiers go and fight. I will just relax and stay in Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Now if you are the king, why would you like to stay? The battle is over there, right? So you're probably not being able to sleep well. You go out, and lo and behold, there is this beautiful woman. I don't know what she's doing, why she's taking a bath in the middle of the night and in the outside. Okay, so don't ask me. Right? Why? Ladies, I don't know. That's the, I'm not going to go into that. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? First he saw. Then he inquired. Creeping already. The thoughts. He was already told. This lady is Bathsheba. She is married to Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite is one of your soldiers. David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanliness, she returned to her house. He did not flee. He gave in to his desires. He used his power as king. Get me that woman. He already knew that Bathsheba was married. Nonetheless, he took her and lay with her. The problem was, in verse 5, the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. You are free to choose. But you are not free from the consequences of your choice. Joseph made a choice. He decided to stand his ground. He fled the advances of Potiphar's wife. David, on the other hand, instead of running away, what did he do? He actually called for the woman to be brought to the palace. First, he inquired. Beginnings. The machinations already of his sin. He inquired. He was already told. This woman is married. Get her. And then he lay with her, and now, even more consequences. Now she is pregnant. You know the story, right? David, as king, called for Uriah 
to sleep with his wife Bathsheba so that Bathsheba's pregnancy could be covered. Why? Well, she's pregnant because Uriah came back from the front lines. And we assume that Uriah slept with his wife, and that's why she is pregnant. But Uriah, being a good soldier, did not sleep with his wife. David set Uriah up to die in battle so that he, being king, could now take Bathsheba to be his wife and cover the sin of immorality that they did. Instead of fleeing immorality, he invited it in. Fleeing immorality today, some practical tips. Flee from any place where sex is available. Now this, in this day and age, this number one is perhaps one of the most difficult now. In our time, in times long ago, right? You only had printed material. And the printed material was often hidden. It was not readily available. It was actually embarrassing to see you with such printed material. But nowadays, with the advent of technology, you have a cell phone, you have access. You go to a bookstore. <coughs> you go to a bookstore. You go to the supermarket. You're, you're just, you just bought veggies. You want to make a salad. It's right there before you pay. It's all over. That's why I said it's like your shadow. It's always with you. Refuse all sexual advances from anyone. I was uh, going to uh, meet with the president of Petron Corporation in the Philippines. And... Uh, I did not realize that they have an executive elevator. It goes straight to the office of the chairman. And I had an appointment. So I went in, and then uh, there were two receptionists and a security guard. Uh, hi, good morning. I'm here to see so-and-so. I may have your ID, sir. ID. He said, may I have, uh, what is your cell phone, sir? So I gave my cell phone number. And the lady says, sir, don't you want to ask my cell phone number? Ah, I said, I'm married. I'm married. And to be accountable, I, after the appointment, I told my son, Timmy, he was driving me. Because it's very hard to park. Eh? So, Tim, you know what happened? This, 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 this. Wow. And then I told my wife. And then my wife said, Ooh! No, I did not. I wanted to be accountable. Right? Number three, avoid being alone in a car with the opposite sex. The one who preached this in Manila's Pastor Enrique Sartu. 
if you, by any emergency na lang, it's really an emergency, and he, you have no other ride except to hitch a ride with Pastor Ricky Sartu, and you are a woman, you'll sit at the back. And he will tell you, the passengers, the front passenger seat is dedicated to my wife. You have to sit at the back if you want to ride with me. Avoid dining alone with the opposite sex. It may be a business meeting or whatever, but try your best to avoid it. Avoid being in dark places with the opposite sex. You know, offices today, they have their own cubicles, they have their rooms, etc., etc. Keep it lighted. We have a rule in CCF. Male pastors will not counsel females. Why? Because many times, that's where it starts. So if there is somebody who desperately needs counsel, I will call for my wife. If my wife is not available, there is a counseling department who will help you. Avoid. Avoid dark places. Avoid counseling the opposite sex. Avoid emotionally involved communication. Now there is, used to be just text. Now, what do you have now? Text, right? Texting sexually illicit. You know, in, 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 in my job, if I were to send an explicit photo to one of my office mates, I am discharged. That's immorality. And of course, the last one is flea pornography. Now, Pastor, why should I flip pornography? I'm just looking. I'm just watching. There is no harm. I'm not actually doing it, etc., etc. So why do I have to run away from pornography? Well, this is what Jim Wilson and Roger Russell, uh, Christian... Uh, they con they're Christian and they contribute to this uh, Christian website. Just what is so awful about pornography? After all, it's just pictures on a page or images on a screen that don't hurt anybody. Right? For all intents and purposes, he's correct. It's just pictures or I'm just watching movie. No harm, no foul. I'm not doing it. According to Tony Woodleaf, the entire purpose of porn is to cast images that are, what? Can you read that with me? That are unforgettable. Now, if you're honest with yourself, if you have that one time or another, look at pornographic material. That picture is still there. It is imprinted there. 
in your mind. That is the intent of those pornographic materials. Joe Carter from the book, Nine Things You Should Know About Pornography and the Brain, says this. Sexually explicit materials trigger mirror neurons in the brain. Thus, these neurons, which are involved with the process of how to mimic behavior, contain a motor system that correlates to the planning out of a behavior. So when you're watching or when you're looking, it registers in your mind and those pictures become unforgettable. They are not easily shaken. And the, the brain processes begins to plan out how can I act out these scenes, this picture. And then you begin to project Sometimes even to your partner. So you say that, well, I'm just looking, no harm, no found. On the contrary, when you look, when you watch, it registers in your mind. And then you begin to plan out how you will do it. No wonder there is so much physical abuse, sexual abuse, and rape. And you say, it's just a magazine. It's just a movie. When you have nothing to do, you want to watch a movie, do you look at the rating? General patronage, corny, corny. Ah, R, R. We don't want to go to the X because I'm a Christian. Here, here, R, R. So you go, click, R. Language, eh. violence, eh. Oh, uy, nudity, nudity. Okay, to. Are you fleeing immorality? You're actually exposing yourself. Now, you may disagree with the findings of uh, Joe Carter and uh, the previous two, uh, Jim Wilson and Roger Russell, but how about this? That's, from, that's a screenshot from the web. The state of Florida could declare porn a health threat. Imagine. So there is truth to what those researchers are saying that physiologically, porn affects the brain negatively. So much so that the state of Florida is talking about declaring pornography a health threat. In our uh, seminar, our conference in Manila, this is what Josh McDowell said about pornography. 
So it portrays that women want it. It portrays that women want it now and that women want it rough. That's why sexual abuse and rape. My friends, there is a very, very bad and dangerous sin called immorality. And pornography is so pervasive nowadays. Telephone sex. You have to pay to talk to somebody to talk sex. And this person is not even a counselor. When I was in, in Manila, I had to go with my sons to get a transcript for our daughter. So we had to go to the registrar, the college registrar. So because it was full, I decided to stay outside. So you have the faculty. And I said, look, okay, let's leave the faculty. Department of Psychology. There's this one. They have the picture of the professor. Department of Psychology. I couldn't believe my eyes. The topic of her class is sexual pleasure. I will send my kid to go to university to study sexual pleasure. Man, it's so open already. That's why people, well, everybody's doing it. No harm, no foul. Really? That's why we are commanded, flee. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. You cannot shake your shadow. Once you have exposed yourself to immorality, my friend, I'm sorry. It's there. So why flee? Flee because immorality is a uniquely devastating sin. Second Corinthians says, I am a... For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to the one husband, so that to Christ I might, be present, I might present you as a pure virgin. Paul is talking about the relationship between Jesus Christ and His church. That it should be a pure relationship. In Ephesians chapter 5, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Gerald Histad and Jane Thomas, Scripture express, expressly states that God created sex to serve a living portrait of life-changing spiritual union that believers have with God through Christ. Within the confines of biblical marriage, sex is beautiful. Outside of that, it's perverted. Do you not know that you are members of Christ? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Oh, pastor, I'm not doing that. I don't go to prostitute. Okay, what do you do? I just pretend I'm that man in the movie I'm watching. It's the same, right? May it never be, according to Paul. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one with him in spirit. If you are a Christian and you go to a prostitute, are not you bringing Christ into that situation? You're watching an X-rated pornographic movie. Are you not bringing Christ into that situation? You're reading a pornographic printed material. Are you not bringing Christ into that situation? That's why you must flee. That is why a sexual relationship that occurs outside the context of a marriage relationship is so emotionally destructive. The act of sex which is meant to initiate and sustain a permanent union of marriage is broken apart and divorced from its very purpose. The Journal of Marriage and Family reported that unmarried couples who live together are less satisfied with their marriages and more likely to split up during rocky times. The University of Florence researchers analyzed the frequency and context of heart attacks in men and revealed that both fatal and non-fatal heart attacks were relatively rare when a man had sex with his wife, but significantly more frequent when he was with a mistress. Flee immorality. Wherever you go, it's like your shadow. You have it with you. And sooner or later, you will see your shadow. They say that sexually transmitted diseases, some of them are in you dormant for about 20 years. And then all of a sudden, why, why do I have this? <laughs> Flee immorality. Flee immorality. Because verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The temple is a place of worship. When you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, takes residence in your life. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, flee immorality because it is a uniquely devastating sin and know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, etc., 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 that list is long, but even that list, Paul says, is not all-inclusive because he said, and the like. It's a long list. And then towards the end, he says, and the like. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who practice as their way of life, all of these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In contrast, he says in verse 22, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is against such things, there is no law. So how can I live a Spirit-filled life? The consistent filling of the Holy Spirit is vital and indispensable to be all God wants us to be and to do all God wants us to do. The Spirit-filled life should be the normal Christian life. That's why the Bible in Ephesians 5 commands us, do not be drunk with wine, negative command, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Day by day, moment by moment, as needed. Immorality is a uniquely devastating sin. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And know, number three, that you have been bought with a price. The freedoms that you have as a follower of Jesus Christ came at a very high cost. Verse 20, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body. Well, I didn't do anything, Pastor. I did not physically do it. Isn't your mind part of your body? When you think about it, isn't that you're bringing Christ into that thought process as well? Jesus Christ paid the highest price so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins, could be on our way to heaven. And we should honor God in our body. Therefore, whatever you do in food or in drink, do all for the what? The glory of God. If God was going to visit your thought life, God would visit your home. God would look at your cell phone. God would look at your computer. God would look at your iPad. Would there be pornographic material there? You have been bought with a price. And because you have been bought with the price, it is the expectation that Christians live their lives for the glory of God, including their body. There is a story about a Christian missionary and this Hindu named Rambau. Rambau enjoyed listening to the word of God, but whenever the missionary tried to get Rambau to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior, 
he would shake his head and reply, Your Christianity, your Christian way to heaven is too easy for me. I cannot accept it. If ever I should find admittance to heaven in that manner, I would feel like a pauper there, like a beggar who has been let in out of pity. I may be proud, but I want to deserve. I want to earn my place in heaven. So, I am going to work for it. That is Rambau's position. Very natural human perspective. I would rather work for something than get it for free. Right? So one day, Rambau goes to Pastor David Morsi and says, I'm going to kneel, walk on my knees all the way to Delhi so that I can earn my salvation. He said, Rambau, that's crazy. It's more than 900 miles on your knees by the time you get there. You know, oh, never mind, never mind. Because I cannot accept your Christianity. Right? But he said, because you have been my friend, I want to give you something. And then he opens up a container. The container had a pearl. The most perfect pearl. And he wanted to give it as a gift to David. So when David saw it, he put, wow, this is such a beautiful pearl. Can I buy it from you? Because you're going to Delhi. No, 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 he said. Rambau said, no, you cannot. You see, my son, David said, what? You have a son? Yeah, I had a son. He was also a pearl diver like me. But he died. This is the pearl that he left to me before he died. And I want to give it to you. Oh, all the more. I cannot get. I cannot get it. I have to pay for it. So he put up the price. Well, I'll give you $15,000. Or if it takes more, I will work for it. And then Rambo said, Sahib, said Rambo. Stiffening his whole body. He was getting agitated. This pearl is beyond price. No man in all the world has money enough to pay what this pearl is worth to me. On the market, a million dollars could not buy it. I will not sell it to you. You may only have it as a gift. David said, no, Rambau. I cannot accept that. As much as I want the pearl, I cannot accept it that way. Perhaps I am proud, but that is too easy. I must pay for it or work for it. The old pearl driver was, diver was stunned. You do not understand at all, Sahib. Don't you see? My only son gave his life to get this pearl. I wouldn't sell it for any money. It is worth its worth is in the lifeblood of my son. I cannot sell this because I can give it to you. Just accept it as a token of the love I bear for you. 
David gripped the hand of the man, Rambau. He said in a low voice, Don't you see? My words are just what you have been saying to God all the time. Rambau understood that the blood of Jesus cannot be paid for. You cannot earn. You cannot work for it because God is offering it to us because He loves us. That day was the day of Rambau's salvation. This man walks a lonely road. He is the one that goes to danger to defuse the bomb so that the people may be spared. Another person walked that lonely road many, many years ago to spare us from a place called hell. He said, no greater love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. We should flee immorality because it is a devastating sin. We should flee immorality because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should flee immorality because we have been bought with a price. Therefore, we must honor God with our body. Flee immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body, but when a man sins, a sin of immorality, he commits against himself. Those pornographic materials are forever etched in our memories. You must trust God and ask for the power of His Holy Spirit, if possible, to erase all of those images. Like Joseph, you and I must have a resolve. Don't think about it when it is already there. Set your mind already. I am not going to expose myself to any form of immorality. In my thought life, in my cell phone, in my computer, in my iPad, I will not talk. I will not put myself in compromising situations that might expose me to the temptation of immorality. Friends, heed the word of the Bible and flee. No matter what people around you will say, flee. Flee immorality. Let's pray. God, thank you for warning us. And your warning is very clear. That we should flee immorality. 
Because once we expose ourselves to it, Lord God, it's like a shadow that we cannot shake. It is always there. And some of us might be still in that idea that nobody knows, nobody sees. But you know, Lord God, and you see. And eventually, Lord, our sin that is done in secret will be broadcast in the mountaintops. God, I pray that all of us will flee, run away from these temptations, and run to you. Because only in you is our safe refuge. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have involved ourselves in this. There is still time to set things right. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to all of us in the areas that we need to surrender to you. Perhaps there is somebody here this morning, right, Rambau, who has not yet understood the gospel. I would encourage you to respond in faith and accept the love of Jesus Christ. Because you cannot buy, you cannot pay for, you cannot work for your salvation. It is freely given. And all you need to do is accept. But with that acceptance comes the responsibility to live a life that is pleasing to God. To run away from immorality because your temple from now on, your body now, from now on is the temple of the Holy Spirit. For those who have already understood and know the gospel of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Jesus, Use these remaining quiet moments to speak to the Lord in whatever area that God reveals to you this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for loving us unconditionally that you would send your one and only Son, Jesus Christ to die and pay for our sin. Father, will you give us the resolve not to entertain any temptations? Just be humble enough, Lord, to call upon the help of your Holy Spirit living in us to make us stand firm, to make us run away. And Father, we ask if it's possible, would you re reboot our minds so that images that we may have been exposed to in the past will no longer haunt us in the present age and in the future to come. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.